All right, hop into the mystery machine, everyone. We're going to go solve some capers around the Scooby-Doo Cinematic Universe on this Scooby-Doo Scooby Snacks and Chats rewatch podcast as part of the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. And I am someone who uh, will never show up to a vampire wedding. It is Felipe, and I'm not alone. I am joined by someone who loves a good gumbo. It is Matt P. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, uh, you know, I'm good. I'm here um, in my lovely house, not random Louisiana somewhere. So Yes. Well, this is your Brazilian Dragon podcast debut. So tell us a little bit about yourselves, Matt. Uh, Who are you? What is your history with the Scooby-Doo Cinematic Universe? Um, And anything else you want to share at this time? It is. Yes, I'm very happy to be on the pod. Um, you know, um, my name is Matt. I'm a writer, podcaster, content creator in the general way as well. All around king. Oh, hush. Um, uh, yeah. Um, as, as for my history with Scooby-Doo, you know, love it. Love Scooby-Doo in pretty much every form. Uh, I wouldn't say I have like a particular strong connection to any one uh variation i just i just love it um it's, it's a good time it's always a good time probably my well, strongest connection to any form of scooby-doo is those fruit snacks Ooh, that's a throwback we have to do like a taste testing episode of the podcast for scooby snacks and chats um yes. do you think those still exist uh maybe but probably not in the way that they uh, probably did. like they've been they, i think they were revamped for school but no i want the vintage ones from childhood with they like the purple them, wait do you think i you could name who each character had as their color this is, this is me attempting i know scooby was blue scooby was blue uh, was, do you remember who was purple well hold on and also it, it was great because like everything was like the gummy color yeah it was like kind of a little see-through but Scooby, no, that that was bright, bright sky blue, and it was great. I don't know what flavor or fruit it was supposed to be, but it was so good. <sighs> um, okay, Scooby was blue. Oh my god, and... this is a throwback. Like just looking at the packaging, it brings back like so many memories. I, I want to say Shaggy was green. He's all Shaggy green. was purple. Shaggy was the purple one. Okay. Um, the green one was the mystery machine. Fred, right. <laughs> Fred was yellow. Um, Daphne was red. And Velma was orange. I remember Velma being orange, but I guess I hadn't been. What a throwback. Know. That like was a sense memory that you unlocked, Matt. <laughs> um, now, I have a couple of preview questions that I want to get to know. Uh, who is your favorite Scooby-Doo character? from any Scooby-Doo property. It can be one of the core five. It can be Scrappy. It can be one miscellaneous random character that you like cannot help but root for, even though they were in one movie. Has the person ever on this podcast said their favorite is Scrappy-Doo? Yes, last week. Whoo! 
okay. Uh, well, I don't think it, Scrappy was Alex's favorite, but he is a Scrappy loyalist. <laughs> scrappy stan. Uh, um, gosh. Uh, I love that core five. I'll probably say Daphne. Yes, and this was a good movie for you then. Daphne queen. had her, this was like a good Daphne movie. She had her say. moments. She had like, some especially style. compared to last week. Last week, we didn't have a ton of Daphne. This week was a lot more Daphne. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week was more of a shaggy Velma movie. This one was a Daphne movie. Um, uh, any any favorite standout episodes or movies uh, in the animated universe? Ooh. Oh man, I should have done my homework on this. It's fine. Um, uh, like, gosh, I'm trying to remember which one we had. Um, so much of my like old cartoon history uh, and memories come from just like random DVDs that my aunt had collected, and were at my grandma's house. Um, you know, going over there, we had one that was just all the like boomer it was like the boomerang collection Ooh, so yeah. just random like okay here's one episode of like eight different hanna-barbera cartoons so like I love my that is like it's like a party one, pack yeah it's like the one yogi bear the one jetsons the one huckleberry hound top cat um and I, i'm trying to remember there was a scooby-doo i, I want to say it was the creeper episode but that may just be the one i have i think that's the one i have seen the most keepers it's the creeper that might be yeah like i think that's actually one of the straight up first yeah no this this is a very memorable villain it's Mm -hmm. the third episode of the second season of scooby-doo where are you that aired on september 26th in 1970 um yeah my God, these are throwbacks. Now I kind of want to just watch them all, like instead of podcasts. But no, we got things to do. Um, right. And then I will say they do hold up. Um, yeah. When I was the Halloween, I was back home during COVID. Um, it was just like, well, it's Halloween. We're not doing anything. Let's <laughs> so watch just... movies. <laughs> exactly. And we wound up just turning on the TV and it was like, oh man, old Scooby Doo, let's just watch it. So that was the morning. Yeah, no, we've uh, recapped some of the older stuff, uh, including uh, the Nutcracker Scoop, which was one of my favorite, especially the early era projects. Because, ooh, baby, those early projects were a bit of a slog in terms of the movies, but I'm sure the like cartoon episodes were pretty good. Um, so do you want to just jump into this recap? Um, or do you have anything else to say about your Scooby-Doo uh, experience before we jump in? let's just go let's just vibe let's corbin blew it up and jump in um so anyways uh so this movie takes place in the south i think louisiana right uh frequent location for the scooby-doo cinematic universe i will say that best we're back oh you're back he's back you technical difficulties listen they know all about technical difficulties in the world of stage productions uh (laughs) so uh Matt is joining us for the musical theater episode, which is perfect because he loves musicals. Uh, but did you have anything to say about the Louisiana part of this? Yeah, um, it's a very, it, it's very, very Louisiana. We open full Princess and the Frog. We're on the bayou. There's some random guy in a... It was also giving Arabian Nights. A little bit. 
that little opening. Yeah, so that's Thule, uh, who uh, I love him, but I don't know what the fuck he was doing in this movie. I'm sorry for cursing so early into the podcast, but like, what was he here for? Like, I like him, like just to set up the boots, I guess. And the fact that we're on the bayou. Oh, is that? Yeah, he made no sense. It it was just like, what? You just open it and it's two minutes of this character who then doesn't show up again until one scene an hour later. Yeah. In a movie, these Scooby-Doo movies are not that long. This like, I don't know. My theory, he was padding the runtime. Yeah, this movie didn't even hit 80 minutes. And I appreciate it. But so the fact that then we have to open, it's just like, what is happening here? Yeah. Um, But anyway, he sings a song about the bayou. He fights off some gators. um, And he shows us a crown that he found in a swamp that came from Unwilling Vampire Ride. And then so we get a flashback sort of style movie, which I do appreciate. This is different. Um, But we go to uh, the investigation under the sewers. Uh, Wait, before we go further, this was your first viewing of this movie, right? You've never seen it before? Yes, I had never seen it. All right. I had seen this in sophomore year of college. My friend and I, we had Boomerang and we watched some Scooby-Doo movies that year, um, including Zombie Island on her birthday. Uh, But we watched this one. It was my first time viewing. I didn't remember anything of it other than the fact that it was like, in my head, it was like more of an opera. Uh, And there was like a bride ceremony at the end where like Daphne was marrying a vampire. That's all I remembered. I could not have told you this movie took place in Louisiana. This could have taken place in like San Francisco for all I remembered. Uh, or Calgary, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> um, but it did come out on March 13th, 2012, about six months from the last one. Uh, so yeah, they're investigating the sewers under a factory. And Fred is uh, talking about this cockroach monster. Uh, but they end up finding out that it was there was a real monster, but then also a baby cockroach. Velma uh, subdues it. And uh, the cockroach monster is Mr. Plopper. He wanted to build up his extermination business. Um, so, uh, Velma sees everyone like kind of struggling because Scooby and Shaggy, they fainted. Daphne is stressing out of the cockroach and Velma's like vacation time. And I support vacation time because these characters need to rest. Yeah. And I like this framing for a movie. I mean, this is, this kind of almost a little bit of the framing of the first live action movie too. Yeah. Just like start off at the end of an investigation and then we're like, okay, we're done here for a bit. Let's go somewhere nice. Yeah. Um, Well, a lot of these end up starting off as vacation movies and then they end up doing their job on vacation, but there are some that they just kind of show up to do work. Like they they just, they just want to go to like a beaches resort. Yeah. And just, well, that... enjoy life and then it never happens yeah they they need to like uh get a union involved to make sure they have a uh, vacation time or something i don't know mystery inc should uh have uh vacation time and uh i mean we get loving your job but there's a healthiness to a work-life balance fred and daphne and velma and shaggy and scooby especially shaggy always wants a vacation mm-hmm Look, Mystery Incorporated, the original victims of the gig economy. (laughs) The original gig workers. Um, Anyway, so on the road in the mystery machine, Velma won't tell them where their secret destination is. And Shaggy's like, as long as there's no monsters. And then they start singing. And I was like, wait, this is a musical? And I was like, oh, baby. I have thoughts. 
your thoughts. This was one of the better songs. I'm going to also pull up the set list later today and we can talk about some of the musics. Um, but this one was called Done With Monsters. Um, Which, yeah, it's a, it's a fun little thing. Um, it was giving Total Drama World Tour musical numbers to me. It was, I guess, the concept of a Scooby-Doo musical. There's my thought. The, just the concept of a Scooby-Doo musical. Like, anything can be made a musical. I don't know if everything should be made a musical. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yes. Yes. Um, And this was... I feel like it didn't commit fully. Like, the songs are not that long, and again, the movie's not that long, but there was enough time between them all that it would feel very, um, that you would kind of forget that it's a musical, and then they would start singing again, and you'd be like, oh, right, this is this is a musical. For sure, yeah. And uh, there were two songs that stood out. The other ones I can't, like, even remember. Like, I'm looking at the track listing, and transparently, I watched half of this movie last night. I got to around 50 minutes, and then I watched the last 30 minutes a little bit before the podcast. Uh, so maybe those are more fresh in my head, because there were only two musical numbers. But, like, uh, the vampire's bike couldn't even tell you what it was about. Mindy Sterling sings in. She's, like, vampire actor. No, she's Lita. Okay, I don't remember that one. And Scooby and Me, don't remember it, That like, the song itself. Like, the only ones I remember is the, like, kind of, like, it was giving Cheetah Girls too the uh, flamenco little instrumentation. And it's like the waltz scene with Daphne and uh, Brahm as the mm. vampire. That one was kind of catchy. And then the other one, like, I just remember because it's like, do to do do scooby do Like, the, it's the... And they, also, they also reprise it at the end. Yes, that's why. But, like, even, like, that's the only one that I really remembered. The other ones were kind of all there. Um We'll, we'll, we'll Guess, talk more about them when we get there. For sure. And we'll also like stop down at the end and like talk about all the musical numbers uh, for sure. Um, but they end up uh, arriving to uh, Chauve Swawi Ville. I don't, I don't know how to speak French. Uh, a small town in Louisiana. toasting a vampire festival. Vampire Palooza. And this was very of a time, Matt. Don't you think? Because there was like aggressive references to twilight and the twilight fanatics out there in this film it it hit it was very which i that's it i feel like it didn't go far enough i feel like <laughs> Matt I, I wanted more. Down, yeah i wrote down in my notes my like not not daphne and velma being twilight girlies but also i feel like it should have gone harder into it it should have gone like fully into it yeah um because all of the vampires were very like, very just generic. Um, we we find out at this palooza they are the guests of Doctor Vincent Van Helsing, who is the descendant of Abraham Van Helsing from Dracula. Also, I love the half of the back half of this movie is like silly Shaggy and Scooby vampires aren't real when like Dracula is just straight up canon into this world right it's like Dracula was a documentary actually so this is a question that my friend Lindsay every time she pops on the Scooby-Doo podcast likes to bring up uh and I this movie really made me feel the way Lindsay generally feels is like I don't like the mixture of like 
I, I don't mind like these monsters that are based in lore. Like that's totally cool. But I was like, for the longest part of this movie, it was frustrating because I was like, I couldn't remember if this was a real person or if this was going to have like a thing at the end where it's like, oh, fantasy exists in this world. Because my biggest frustration with the Scooby-Doo is like, I love the episodes that are like, oh, we're going to go solve the mystery. And it seems realistic. But then there's this big like reveal that it's all based in science. And this is the mechanism, which this movie thankfully ended up doing. But throughout the rest of the movie, in my head, I remembered it as being like, oh, there's like magical forces at play. And sometimes that can frustrate me because I want uh, I it confuses my little brain sometimes. And that's that's what frustration is at the end of the day. What hurts my brain? Yeah, a, a Scooby-Doo should always be just like, it always should just end with like the, the Sherlock Holmes and this is how you've committed this crime. I love, I love the camp of the magical monsters, especially when there's like fun, like creativity. I mean, uh, we love a VFX. We love the special effects and how creative these little uh, people can be. But at the end of the day, I do love the unmasking, the like, oh, this is how they did this, this, and this. This is why we saw the projector here earlier. Like, I love that part of Scooby-Doo. That feels quintessential Scooby-Doo. That's my Scooby-Doo. I don't know if you feel similarly. Are you like the ghoul school, the Boo Brothers, where it's more uh, horror fantasy for kids? <laughs> I love the old... I, I, I'm a big fan of the old school, you know? Yeah, unmask it, and it always winds up being like some old white guy just doing it for money and it's that's how it always goes in these but i feel like some of the science some of the like and here's the totally real science way we did this has turned into here's this completely fantastical way like not to get too spoil ahead but this guy's flying with just hover boots at a certain <laughs> point our bad guy who spoilers watch till the end of the podcast Yeah, that's fine. We'll never explain this technology. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Let's let's discuss it, please. Yeah, no, I I I like the fact that it's kind of like random, like, oh, we'll never address it again. But if you're looking at it from a critical lens, it's very um unfulfilling. And maybe that's why this movie feels low to me, um, compared to some of the other stuff. But um Shaggy and Scooby are annoyed that they're at Vampire Palooza because they're like, it's uh it's vacation time, but then they're like, vampires aren't real. But like you said earlier, in the universe of this film, of this cinematic universe, vampires are real because they are literally profiting off the story of Van Helsing. Um, they, they literally mentioned it's like, oh yeah, this is, they literally mentioned that it's like, yeah, this was founded by Abraham Van Helsing after he beat Dracula, which is like, so this is real. Mm -hmm. Vampires aren't real, except for the one time they were very real yeah it's it's uh it doesn't make sense um but they enter the festival and they meet jesper pobel um i think that's the teenager right uh and i was like oh my god it's rob Paulson because i recognize the voice acting yeah, we love no pobel is the is the mayor is oh the one, is the one picketing i don't think that teenager ever gets a name okay true yeah but i like the teenager so we see him first then we see jesper pobel oh yeah he's an anti-vampire agitator he's picketing uh we stand um, you can tell there were standards and practices here because just the way he talks, he has that very like Southern gentleman and I'm mad about something kind of voice. And it's like, 
you just want to hear this man call everything an, an affront to God or something that standards and practices got in. It's like, we can't actually make him, like, a preacher. Yeah. But that's very much the vibe he has here. He definitely has, like, Southern preacher vibe. Um, and we also meet Lita Rutland, who's the festival organizer. Um, anything noteworthy about her at this moment or no? No, not no. really. Um, and, of course, uh, capitalism. <laughs> capitalism and of course vincent van helsing who's the host and the unsuccessful author of vampire books um he also takes them to see the vampire museum shows off the wedding jewelry um and the glass face casket containing the inner body of valdronia a centuries-old vampire um casually and- casually just opens it and is like here's the corpse i have on display <laughs> He really just kind of wants to show off. That's what it feels like. He's like, look at my collection. Um, first red look flag. At, look at all of my artifacts that are just out here and you can touch. And I'm not going to get mad that you're touching the like hundreds of year old shit I have lying around. Action and magic, he does not know. Oh! <laughs> um, anyways, it's time to go to a show performed by Fang and Shans, a troupe of vampire actors that perform at night. They have an introductory song sung by Brahm. Uh, they attempt a vampire resurrection chant, and Valdronia appears. Uh, but it's not the actor the troupe expected to play the role named Henry. Valdronia ends up flying off. The audience claps, 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 um, thinking that's all part of the act. But Van Helsing thinks it's real because they used an authentic magical, magical ritual. And he's like, you actors, how dare you? But Daphne is like, Brahm. And Fred is like, very jealous about it. I have too many thoughts about Pop this scene. Okay, so I, I as the resident theater theater kid here, um, I have problems with the musical choices here. Why? So, so you're coming in and it's this first off, this is just a troop of like goth kids who are <laughs> like, we're vampires and we're edgy and we're gonna do this stuff. And it's like, alright, I guess. Um, but then they start, like, doing their performance, and it's not, like, anything dark or, like, goth or edgy or cool. It straight up sounds like, you know, all, all that jazz. It's, like, full <laughs> Chicago. I'm like, what is, what is, this isn't right. Fossey. Yeah, it's, you walk into, it's fully, you walk into the haunted house, and they're playing, like, just, they're not even playing, like, creepy generic music. It's like, why are they playing K-pop in here? Like, that was the vibes. It was just like, it's off, and I don't get it. You know? You're vampires. Give me an organ. Hi. (laughs) Clearly, I have thoughts. It's like, also, like, my, despite the fact that the song later on that we addressed earlier uh, is kind of a bop, uh, there should not be flamenco in vampire music. Yeah, that. And then. Also, let's address your Phantom of the Opera shirt. I have to. Yes. yes, we love. Um, I dress for the occasion, as you should. I didn't. I'm wearing an Avatar shirt. <laughs> hey, it's animated. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then and then they go. They do this whole thing, and they're like, okay, and then and then he just appears, and everyone like dips. Um, and then as always, no one ever takes things. I think, at least. <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby are like the only ones who take things the level of serious I would take them. 
mm-hmm. where every, no one's just like, holy fuck, so did we actually just release a vampire? That's insane, right? Uh, instead, Brom, our, our, uh, our lead, decides to take the moment to be like, I'm a Mac on that one right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to uh, go hit on, hit on that one. Not a big fan of Brom here. Um, no, he's... He's there to just be kind of generic hot, but even then it's like, okay, but you, you could do better, Daphne. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on this whole sequence other than what you've already addressed? Anything else that from your notes that you want to hit? Like it's... What it's doing is fun and I get the plot and I, lo- I love a weird, like fun, campy vampire musical. I wish they had gone for it fully. Mm-hmm. Also... Again, speaking of supernatural stuff that doesn't exist, how, how does that make sense? Right. Also, the, I feel how like are they they're... doing half of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's rubbing me the wrong way that as professional actors, they're relying on improv uh, rituals to like, uh, like that. What's next in the plot? Do they not have a next part? Like they're just so impressed by the vampire that they shut it down. Uh, they're like, oh, this actually worked. Like, what are they expecting? Uh, Henry to like show up and like do the rest like it it, like I feel like I don't know I'm such a planner and even though I love improv I feel like if I am performing I need to have at least an idea of what the outline is you can't show up and just be like okay ritual time and then like it goes better than you expected the special effects pop off and then you're just like okay we're gonna shut down Daphne by the way hi (laughs) like yeah I feel there's they're also a little inconsistent with like vampire lore here right they because they they make a note here the they make a note here that's like oh all these performers are like so dedicated to the vampire lifestyle that they'll one they say they'll only perform at night bestie when do you think theater happens hey there could be a matinee okay so it's like great so you don't do a, a matinee on sunday great um but then like Throughout this movie, we constantly have, like, vampires, quote-unquote, just, like, out, middle of the day. Um, and they're not sparkling. <laughs> or exploding, depending on which version of vampires we're in. But it's very just, like, okay, so if you're gonna make it a point that, like, the people at least think this, then, like, then, like, the next scene where we see Braum is he's at the festival the next day and just out with like a pair of like crappy glasses on Mm -hmm. like the little black like tiny sunglasses that are clearly just there to make you look cool um so it's like okay so so like what what's the vibe here what's the plan the aesthetics were off um but uh i we also forgot to mention one of the scenes before where scooby and shaggy just like eat their garlic uh necklaces and then they just sit next to people and they're like oh you smell bad and shaggy's like zoinks dude or whatever he does <laughs> that's basically it um we have to talk uh, about when he says zoinks later on in the movie and like fred's like what and it's like obviously it's your friend shaggy but we'll get there <laughs> you know what i'm five cloves of garlic on the five whole heads of garlic on a thing that's the appropriate amount of garlic to put in a dish so. are you a garlic girly i am okay like I started adding garlic, like crunchy garlic, as in addition to the crunchy onions and dry seaweed on my poke bowls. Oh, oh, just I love pokey. Pokey rainbow. If anyone's in the SoCal area, highly recommend. 
Yeah, anytime I get a recipe that's like this much garlic, I typically will double that. Okay, let's hang out at Halloween and like have garlic bread or something. (laughs) That's an appropriate amount of garlic, you know? Okay, but also this is going to be very niche to people who live in Los Angeles, but the smokehouse garlic bread is trash. I'm sorry. Have you been there, Matt? I have not, and now I know to avoid it. It it's literally like garlic bread. It's cheesy garlic bread. It's literally a baguette or whatever French bread that they put there, and they just put like Cheeto dust on top or Kraft macaroni, like oh, boxed no, mac and cheese dust. On top. And I'm like, but then Tangela was trying to argue with me the other day. I was like, it was better last time. I was like, no, I can't. I don't trust. I don't trust. The one time I had it, I was disappointed as hell because what? everyone was like the garlic bread, the garlic bread. I was like, okay, and I'm a garlic bread fan. I went in. I was so disappointed. I have trust issues now. I have very high expectations with garlic bread. Um, it is a slight joke in my family that my mother married my father for his garlic bread. Um, well, I know whose house I'm pulling up to. We're going up to Matt's dad's house. Hard. And it's very good. So I, I am biased. The bias is real. The bias is real. So, All right. So that, uh, next up is sadder than bad garlic bread. <laughs> now I want garlic bread, damn it. Right? Let's go get garlic bread after this. <laughs> um, the gang offers to investigate, and they head back to the museum. Valdronia has actually left his tomb. They're like, what the heck? But it's still sealed. So they are, like, thinking about what this has happened, and then there's a crash, and the vampire jewels are gone. And Valdronia flies up, takes a close look at Daphne. He's like, my bride. And then he's like, okay, bye. And then he flies away. Daphne's still there with them. And like the others try to attack him with like stakes, but he flies away. Um, and uh, uh, any thoughts to this? Modern, modern Scooby has, you know, been giving Daphne more of a personality. And I like that. And I also like when they give her personalities that sort of keep her, you know, give her a bit of an Elle Woods thing going on where like, she's still very much like the feminine one who's into like, fashion and makeup but like that that expertise impacts the plot I really have you seen zombie that. island um it's from the late 90s i highly recommend it to you because i feel like if you like boss bitch daphne mm-hmm. that's a good one she's like an entertainment news reporter for like paranormal stuff like that's, that's her whole cool. brand and her. she like starts off the movie uh, like on kind of like a talk show promoting her next like adventure documentaries she's like basically ghost whispers but like Hot. Yeah. So I I love when they do that to Daphne. This is not a movie where they're doing that to Daphne. Mm, no. They basically said, "Well, what are our characteristics?" And they said, "Well, Daphne's the hot one." And they as she is, of, she was one of my first celebrity crushes. And they a... just kind of built the plot around, "Well, Daphne's hot." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do make her competent though, which is what I do like. Like even when she she's never like. I need to be saved. She's always like, all right, I'm, you know, like shit's happening, but like, how am I going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm pro Daphne in this film. I think, I think, uh, I, I like the characterization of Daphne. I was kind of worried when I started this project. Granted, it's been over two years, so maybe I'm misremembering some certain movies, but uh, I, my anxiety was like, oh, I worry what they're going to do with Daphne's character. Like Velma's the smart one. Fred's, Fred's the himbo, but what are they going to make Daphne? Is she just going to be kind of like Fred's eye candy? I didn't remember as much like if they were going to give her much dimensionality, but I've been pleasantly surprised at how much uh, like she's always like, ever there's an action sequence, she usually she's like, like she has like a karate background, even in the live action ones with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Gellar or Geller? 
I, I don't remember. I don't know, but she's a queen. Anyways, like she like had some fun action sequences. So I, I'm I'm a pro Daphne. I think that uh, she's been a pleasant surprise. And I've been like Daphne and Scooby were my number one and number two. Uh, so Scooby first, of course. Um, so like seeing Daphne um, like over, over, like jump over the expectations that I had for her seamlessly has been pretty fun. I think it really helps that you have... Um... I think it helps that you have Velma in the team so that you can't just make Daphne the girl. Yeah. You know, like you would if if they were making Scooby-Doo in the 90s. Like that was a very thing where it's like, all right, we've got to make sure everyone's yeah. diverse, and, which means we have one of each sort of diversity and then we have one girl and then we're, we're even, we're diverse. But that means it's like, well, there's the girl one and yeah. she's in pink and she does all the girl stuff. Whereas because you have Velma, then it's like, well, we can't just make one the girl because there's not just one girl. For sure. They both kind of have to have. And even though maybe older Daphne kind of gets a little of the like, she's the girly one. Like, they're still both. No, and I, I, um, and then sometimes they play with that. Like last week um, in the episode we talked about, or in the movie we talked about, like Velma had the hots for this guy um, and it was kind of uncharacteristic of her. Um, but like they play around with the different uh, expectations of what we expect from the character. Also, like I will acknowledge that we only did six projects before 1998, and uh, then we've only focused on like stuff from 1998 on in terms of the movies. And granted, a lot of those early movies were mostly just Scooby Shaggy Scrappy. So um, Daphne was only in two of these, I want to say, uh, from the first six. So luckily, we didn't have to worry about that. And then hopefully, and then by the late 90s, the first one, Zombie Island. Uh, was going to be where Daphne's a boss queen. Um, so that's that's just like kind of been probably something to note because maybe she and Velma didn't have as much character development in the 80s and the 90s before these movies started coming around. There's a lot less of the Velma falling down and her glasses flying off, which yeah. happens, I feel like, literally in every episode. Well, so in the last... No, it's just this, and I see it in my head. The last uh, movie, the Fantasaur one, uh, she was really... Oh, that one's great! Oh, so you've seen it. Okay, so you know how she's, like, all over this guy that's basically the male version of her, right? And then they play with the expectation with the glasses scene, how they both lose their glasses, and I was hoping that they would be like, oh, these are yours, but they didn't. I was so annoyed. But that was a so much better movie than this one. I will say it. This is not a Legend of the Phantosaur podcast, but why Why did they make Velma fall in love with her twin? That was so weird. Also, we all know Velma's mostly a lesbian, so. Yeah, they're, they're all. Was Velma the queer representation you wished for as a kid? <laughs> or, I mean, you wanted, she was there as a kid. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, it's like, look, they're. They keep trying to pair these people off, and it's like, just let all four of them be poly together. It's right? Fine. Okay, thank you. You said it. Um, and I'm, I'm not usually a person who's, like, resolved the love triangle into a polycule, but, like, this is one of my few ones where I'm like, This is no, one of the few exceptions. Like, it's been this, it's always the Extraordinary Playlist, and then, like, maybe one other example that I remember where I was like, okay, just make them an open relationship Thruple situationship sort of thing, but it's like it's four people who just have been driving around together and appear to have literally no, literally like 
Very rarely does it mention them having Well, so they're teenagers on paper, but we, in my head, they've always been like 22 to 25-ish. Yeah, they've Um, also been teenagers on paper since like 1970. Like at this point, they can be a solid 25. Um, Yeah, no, like we know that Fred and Daphne hook up in the Mystery Machine probably, but like they're just like four hippies driving around the country, driving around the world. They don't really, like they probably hook up with other people too, but they just probably have hook up all the time and th- while scooby goes and like goes on his walks or whatever yeah i'm like why do you think fred's always telling uh, shaggy and scooby to go uh as they're high they have they have let's split up all right high. yeah you go that way with the dog i'm uh, we're gonna go hang out upstairs yeah. um. <laughs> right okay um we go to van helsing's home and they talk with uh daniel van helsing uh oh, sorry daniel the security guard uh, the guy they found out uh, unconscious, and he's like, oh, I have vampire bright marks on my neck. But they were like, oh, no, you just got zapped by a taser, your own taser. I'm like, what? The- <laughs> what? Uh, Matthew, you have thoughts. I can see it in Fred, your face. Fred being like, oh, no, this, that, whole, that whole reveal is great because it's like, th- this is also, what I love about modern Scooby is like, in orders of competence, like, Shaggy and Scooby are bringing up the bottom, obviously. Like, they always, they help out, but it's always an accident. And then, like, but what I love about modern Sh- Scooby-Doo is, like, Fred is barely above them in terms of competence. It's like, were it not for Daphne and Velma, nothing would have done. Because <laughs> the way that this happens is, the guy comes in, and they're like, he's got these things on his neck oh no shaggy and scooby are freaked out about vampires so they're like it's it's got to be vampire bites oh my god um and they're like no like vampires aren't real like also they open the light and the guy's like he's fine they're all like maybe he's immune to vampire venom blah 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 and then they're like and then fred just goes no dude i think you just like got tased i think those are taser burns and it's like oh that makes sense. How'd you know, Fred? And he's like, well, I volunteered at the police academy and there's a flash to him like getting tased multiple times. Then we flash back. It's like, oh, and then Daphne goes, also, we found your taser right next to you. (laughs) It's like, yes! The buffoonery. (laughs) And at this moment, I thought, a cap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, we go to the festival, which has been popping off with the with the uh, publicity of the vampires. So Lita's like, hell yeah, let's bankroll in this. Meanwhile, Jesper Pubel, he's like, oh, media exposure, let's do this. Uh, and he's like, I'll run for mayor. Um, so they're all profiting off of it. But on the meantime, they get attacked by Valdronia, who clings to the top of the car and reaches through the skylight. Um, and then Daphne ends up pulling a piece of this frag brick that, spoiler alert, comes back but in my opinion has no purpose being part of the plot because i don't understand why this was necessary information but whatever and then velma forces him off and he's like okay we're gonna go run through a low tunnel and when i saw that i'm like oh my god daphne almost like died that was the closest i've ever seen a character come to death on this franchise and if she was like one second slower her head would have popped off and that would have been a dark episode of a children's show definitely we, we, we did miss a song number here. Oh, yes, uh, please, please. I'm sorry. When, the, uh, when we first get, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, a vampire attack. 
A vampire attacked our vampire festival at our very heavily vampire implied town, which is like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lita, who's the kind of the person who's putting this on and is like annoyed that it's not doing well, is like time to drum up some business and goes into this like kind of sort of a mob song, but not really like a good mob song of just like. There's vampires, be aware, we can help you out. And I do, I don't love, it works here because so many Scooby-Doo villains are just capitalists. <laughs> but I, I You see Monster of Mexico, right? I don't, I, I don't think so. Another one I'd recommend to you. Okay, we're going to make a little list and then when we hang out in person, we can just watch them. Yes, but... But I don't love the kids movie villain song that's just about like how great money is. This one's kind of able to kind of fudge that line. Um, and it's fun. And this is also where we we have to set up like it's a these are mysteries. We have to set up the different people who could actually be what could it actually be? Mm-hmm. Um and this is our like, hmm, there's a motive here for keeping this. Um, uh, it's, it's, well, uh, I will say though, uh, there are some fun villain songs out there, especially like this was like giving a wannabe Disney direct to video sequel. It's very that in terms of the music numbers. Yeah, very okay. that. Uh, back at the festival, Poobell enters with a gang of vampire hunters deputized by the sheriff who will uh, start enforcing the dusk-to-dawn curfew. Uh, so that bothers Lita because she can't profit off it, but she can't do anything because government. Uh, meanwhile, this is kind of where they all uh, split off from each other randomly, and I, there's no real like reason for it, whereas usually Fred is like, Scooby Shaggy, you go this way, Velma and Daphne and I will take care of the upstairs stuff, a.k.a. make some sounds. <laughs> make some sounds as a euphemism. Ew. Time to go make some sounds. Um, <laughs> now I can't think of like a drummer, like a drum solo. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna go make some sounds. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy end up wandering the fairgrounds, the bayou, and end up running into Brom and his fellow actors, who are kind of strange. Uh, and Scooby and Shaggy are like, uh, "Let's uh, defuse this situation," but then Valjonia attacks. Um, so they speed off. Shaggy gets grazed by a wooden stake thrown by Valdronia, which is like, also, Shaggy, at this point, you should realize he's not a real vampire because he threw a stake at you. Um, and I'll circle back to this in a second. Um, and then he's like, oh, I got a vampire bite. This is probably at the time where I was kind of falling asleep by the when my movie was watching, and then I watched the rest later the next day. But um, they both end up covered in ketchup, and they get spotted by Pubel declares them both vampires and Scooby is apparently a shapeshifter who has taken the form of a dog. I'm like, sir, go home. You're drunk. Uh, this is why uh, you suck. <laughs> to be fair, this is one of the, this is not the one part of Scooby canon where they try to explain why he can talk. Right? This um, isn't a mystery incorporated podcast. No, no. Well, we can do that another day, but um, <laughs> here we get, uh, so Valdronia, like, can we talk about uh, the fact that this man uh, threw a stake and thought he could get away with it? Because I don't remember why vampires don't like stakes. Maybe you can explain it to me because you're more uh, literate and smart. Um, 
but uh, I know that vampires shouldn't be touching steaks or garlic or anything like that. I think the steaks, you just stab them. Oh, really? Yeah. Also, the steaks it's, are just like pieces of wood that look like, like a giant like Crayola colored pencil, right? Does that count yeah. as a steak? These were long, there were some long stakes in this. Normally when you see them, they're like handheld. Ironically, there were very few stakes in the actual movie. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, this, so smart. this like to play a little fast and loose with vampire lore. I also feel like there was such more of an opportunity to play with like little vampire tropes. Mm-hmm. Like you could, like just as references, you couldn't, you could, you know, yeah make more like they have the one twilight reference but they don't really go into it they do like a little bit even like you know maybe if you don't want to touch on stuff that's not in the public domain i mean just do more dracula jokes it would have been fine but we could have gotten that i would i'm like mad we're in new orleans and we don't have any like Anne rice vampire chronicles things it's like we're in louisiana come on throw me a bone have like one cosplayer at the festival who's like very clearly lestat and louis like come on give me that um i i personally am gonna say from dust till dawn is a reference to that movie um, which is vampires. And... But it's also like a curfew that like makes it's, sense. It's also sense. absolutely a thing and could not have been a reference, but I, I'm, I'm going to. You it. are reclaiming the reference. I'm reclaiming, I'm reclaiming my references. Uh, so Shaggy is like, I'm going to be turning into a vampire. And Scooby, he's like, go buy Scooby, bye. But Scooby's like, no. And then they sing a song together that is called, uh, I forget what it's called. Wait, wait, one second. Ah, trying to scroll down to my notes. There we go. Uh, Scooby and me. Also, shout out to Randy Rogel. I think I don't know if that's how you say his name, but he wrote all the songs for this movie. Sir got his coin. You know, writing it is good. Um, I will say this: this song, we got like a whole shaggy musical number, and see, you say we as if I didn't fall asleep in the middle of this song. Wow, so I am I'm the only one who got it. Wow. No, I'll rewatch it before I upload the podcast so I can feel like a completionist. But this is when I was like, okay, let me cl- close the computer and circle back to this tomorrow. Yeah. I just The shaggy voice is not one I want to be here singing. Okay. Well, how do you feel Matthew Willard's been doing as Shaggy in these movies cuz he was the Scooby-Doo live action uh, boy, uh, Shaggy, and then when Casey Kasem died, he kind of replaced him for a while. How do you feel? He I was love, one of the random love, celebrities I've seen out in public. Yeah, I love him. Um, you know, Casey Kasem's great. I think Matthew Lillard has been doing a great job in these movies. Um, he is, he is. I think the the Shaggy in my head when I like try and do an impression, it winds up coming out a little more like him. But I. It's not, it, it has nothing to do with Matthew Lillard as a performer. I think he's doing great. I just am like, that voice doesn't lend itself to sounding musical. So your options are either you sound like Shaggy or you sing well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he yeah. sounded like Shaggy in these. He did. Mm, okay. Everyone so, else uh, is 
are a little more normal. Um, although there were some Velma was like, a little like Velma singing. <laughs> yes, I think. Because, I think if I had to rank them by voices, I think Great Delisle had the best voice as Daphne in terms of singing. Yeah, and that's why she got her own number. <laughs> yes, I would say no one. No one like blew me away with singing, which like it's a. This was a direct-to-video kids movie. I'm not expecting, you know, Broadway quality, but Shaggy was particularly rough. And the fact that we got multiple Shaggy numbers, I was like, but why? Mm -hmm. All right. So um, now we get uh, Shaggy and Scooby the next day. Uh, they spend the night in a hollow tree. They go into a sort of swamp creatures. They get attacked by leeches, and they seek refuge in a cabin belonging to Thule's boat rentals. They meet Thule, who's, that's not his real name, but he's an inventor whose prototype flying shoes were stolen by a vampire a couple of weeks ago. And it made him a little crazy. He offers them gumbo uh, and they eat it and he reveals the secret ingredient, leeches, and they run away in his old rental boats. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not gonna disrespect the man if because they clearly like the food. So at that point, like, you already like the food. What's the issues with the leeches? I fully missed the boots thing. Yeah, no, he shows them a photo. Like, this is, like, more... Uh, he, like, shows them, like, this was my prototype. Um, but also, uh, Jim Cummings was going for something, and I don't know if this was appropriate for him as a white man to be voicing, but... Yeah. There are white people who have Cajun accents. It's not... It's not particularly a race thing. However, I don't know if this was like a good Cajun accent. Mm -hmm. It felt um, very um what what's the fly? What's the firefly from Prince and the Oh Frog? Ray? Ray. It's very that like Abel Evangeline. This, this I think is, it's the same guy. No, it might be. Who it's very like Ray in Princess and the Frog. What's but it was very yeah, like it's, it's literally the same okay. guy. God, that, that, that explains it but it was very much like it was like okay i don't think anyone has this accent in real life this feels very comedy thick cajun mm -hmm. yeah uh winnie the pooh yes uh tuli no for jim <laughs> <laughs> um, um so i fully missed the boots thing that that I guess it was the throwaway thing, this... so they could set it up for later, like a hundred. But I guess it explains why this scene is in the movie. Because some of you, the second act of this movie really drags. Um, and I, I was fully we, like, actually, that's interesting to me because I, I think the first act dragged a little bit longer for me. Uh, but also I was sleepy, so that might have been why. That might have been it. I this now, usually point... I rewatch these before podcasting, but because of my schedule today, I wasn't able to squeeze that in. Uh, so uh. But yeah, no, this movie, a little bit of a drag at different points, regardless of when we found the drag to happen. And not the good yeah. drag that Matt loves. I found the, um, I found the, like, the, the, from the attacks on the, basically everything with just Shaggy and Scooby in the bayou. I was like, this is boring. Why does this need to be here? It didn't add anything. It mm. just... It, it it split up the group so that they could all kind of come together at the end and it gives us a little variety, which I'm like, even if you needed to do this, there were better ways to do it. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, meanwhile, the rest of the gang are still at the Van Helsing home. They now doubt the vampire is real because uh, they found the fabric from the sleeve being modern material. Van Helsing is like, oh, the vampire coffin was open when it first arrived and the body was redressed. Uh, he's also like, oh, here's some old material that came from the original garments. They also go uh, have Daphne uh, question the Fangenschnau's group. Uh, and she sees the camera there and um, she ends up uh, doing a musical waltz number with flamenco instrumentation with Bram uh, asking about how uh, if she wants to be immortal and he she says no thanks and then the kidnap she gets kidnapped by the troop and that is going to be the musical number uh, do you want to live forever which I actually thought was one of the best ones it probably is the best one uh, probably not the most memorable one but the best one in my opinion. Yeah, I don't really remember it. It was giving Cheetah Girls yeah, too. That's no, why. <laughs> I have no thoughts. No thoughts, no thoughts. Blank canvas. Uh, so the next part of the film is going to be where um, uh, back at the house, they find out that uh, if Valdronia marries and steals the soul of a woman who's beautiful and pure of heart, his powers will become much greater. The marriage must take place that night. And Fred gets a text message conveniently from Daphne, who still has her phone, even though she's been kidnapped and tied to a thing. Uh, but she tells him that uh, she's been kidnapped by the actors and she's the vampire bride. And that was my got favorite a little jealous part. in that moment. That was my favorite part where Fred's like, oh, I got a text, opens his flip phone. It's 2012. We do have smartphones, but this is a full on, like, you know, like yeah. Motorola thing. And it's just. Black background, green text, says, kidnapped by vampires, help. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like her arms are, I'm like, I'm just like, obviously they had to not share that scene because they probably struggled to come up with a reason why she was allowed to text. But um, Fred starts making a stake shooting gun and they all head to the swamp. Uh, they try to stop the ceremony from taking place, but a pair of monstrous hands emerge from the reeds in the, in the bayou and drag Van Helsing away. He shouts at them, it's telling them to save themselves. And then uh, Fred just keeps firing different skate stakes. And Shaggy says zoinks. And Scooby and Shaggy are there. And they are brought up to date about the wedding. Uh, meanwhile, Daphne is uh, getting her hands tied to, to the two trees. And uh, she's like, oh, you're going to be uh, have immortality from the vampires. If uh, Valdronia takes you as his bride, they put the vampire wedding jewels on her. They sing the song. And uh, the monster... Uh, swirls around with the mist and sends the actors to sleep, telling them that when they wake up, they will be immortal. And Daphne also passes out. And she's like, oh, my husband or whatever. Um, anyways, any thoughts on all this, Matt? I, I mean, we're, we're getting up into it. Uh, Velma also has a couple of great fun lines at the back half of this. Anything that you took so, notes on? I, I love the one she has. I'm just like, I'm pure of heart. Why does anyone want to kidnap me? Which is really funny. And honestly, true. Velma deserves some baddies in her life. You know, I I want Velma to get kidnapped for a ritual. That sounds wrong. Anyway. <laughs> um, Scooby and Shaggy end up creating a distraction with the camera, which shout out to Shaggy. He was brave in this moment. Uh, Valjonia chases them. Valma still got that big Shaggy programming in from Phantosaur. <laughs> Yep. Um, uh, Valjonia uh, chases everyone, shoots balls of fire, and Shaggy accidentally turns on the propelling fan on the boat, and the mist blows away the garments, and Fred ends up catching 
uh, with a net and the stakes and pins the monster upside down against the tree. They find out it's Vincent Van Helsing. Oh my God, I'm so surprised. He exploited the vampire wedding to create his own new tourist attraction to sell more books. He wanted the mystery gang to be there so that if established monster hunters uh, were like, oh, this place is haunted, uh, they're going to uh, get more uh, tourist attractions. And Velma's like, your book's not half bad. And then uh, the guy's like, you liked my book? And she's like, let's not get carried away. Like, <laughs> that was the other one I loved. I, I, it's just like in his book. I read it. It's not half bad. She really liked it. I said it's not half bad. It's like, oh. Yeah. Um, but also, like, what a weird logic to invite expert monster hunters who have, like, a 100% track record uh, to come and unmask you. Like, you are asking to go to jail. Also, like, why would you kidnap one of them? Like, what? what is then ultimately the plan? <laughs> What was yeah. ultimately his plan with Daphne? Why not just kidnap like a local woman? It's it's yeah. so interesting and like the delusion. Like white men think they can get away with anything. I don't quite understand this plan. What... Matt, speak for your kind. When did... <laughs> uh hey, I've never kidnapped anyone. I don't care what the police True. say. Um oh. <laughs> When did you did you put it together at least who the bad guy was before this? Yeah, moment? I started sussing him around the time that like he started talking about the third moon, and then when he got grabbed away, I was like, oh, it's definitely him. Because for a while, I was like, oh, it's Lita. She wanted the capitalism reasons, but then I was like, oh no, he like when he disappears, I feel like it's all all of a sudden convenient that he's not around, and I was like, oh, maybe it's him again because I didn't remember who it was. Whereas past ones I've seen, sometimes I'll remember who it was. For me, the moment where I was like, no, it's definitely him, was when they were like, oh, we found this, um, we got the fabric on him, and it's modern fabric, so the vampire can't be real. And then he was just like, oh, yeah, that's because um, I totally did act. I know I said the tomb was never opened, but, like, I did open it because I had to redress him because, like, he would have been naked. It's gross. But, like, here's the original fabric I have, which was just like, that's oddly specific. Yeah. Also. It's weird. Also. When they have a flashback of him pulling out the old fabric and there's an insert of him ripping off the label that says random fabric circa whenever. Uh, yeah. 13 whatever. That was like, the thing I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what kind of what kind of museum are you running, sir? That you're just like, alright, I gotta put a label on this random ass fabric. I don't remember where I got it. <laughs> random fabric yeah. sure um it's it's interesting for sure uh but then we get bram getting arrested and then he's like wait for me outside of jail and she says not on your life bad boy and that she doesn't date actors which um, i don't date originally actors. my joke for you was like uh and here's someone who will never date an actor matt <laughs> you know um but uh, then uh, they're like, time for another vacation, uh, which hopefully will not have more monsters than they sing the song again. And that's the movie. Yes, that is the movie. Final thoughts on the movie, on the musical? It's a movie musical. It is. Um, you know, I don't think it's high art in any sense. I wish it was a better musical. Um, but... 
Not to sound mean, I never come into the Scooby-Doo property with, like, the highest expectations. Mm-hmm. I was entertained for the most part, a little bit bored, um, but I think it works overall. Yeah, no, so we'll definitely talk about this movie more when we do our segments, uh, but let's just talk about the voice cast quickly. So, of course, we got the main cast, Frank Walker, Fred as Scooby, Matthew Lillard, Shaggy, Great Delisle, Daphne, Mindy Khan as Velma. Any other standouts for you in terms of the voice cast? Because uh, for me, it was definitely Rob Paulson when I recognized him. That little one where it was Rob. I love a Rob Paulson. Always. So it's always good to hear him pop up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Jim Cummings was also here. We got Oba Babatunde, Christian Campbell, Mindy Sterling, uh, Jeff Bennett, lots of different people um, involved with this film. Um, and uh, we also get Jim Wise as Fred's singing voice, uh, who was coached Tugnut on Even Stevens. Um, in terms of the music, any standouts in the music numbers? Um, I would say only the, um, I would say only kind of the, the one that bookends, like, going the on. The Dumb with Monsters? Yes, that one was a fun sort of way to bookend yeah. the thing. Um, oh, speaking of that, I forgot to mention in that scene, in that first scene where they're, like, driving away, there's a little thing where Daphne's like, time to put in my music, puts in her CD, and they're all like, not show tunes. And I'm like, not Daphne being a theater girly. <laughs> you know Score what? We got one. Yeah. Oh, um, so Daphne was a theater kid in high school. All of the hottest people were, and it makes so much sense. We stand. Um, and then lastly, uh, let's get into our segments. Because uh, other than one you mentioned, the only other one that stood out for me was, of course, uh, the... Um, whatchamacallit, the, the flamenco one that I mentioned earlier. I got to get my share screen ready uh, so that you can enjoy the spreadsheet madness. But let's start with the culprit game as we do here. Who did you think was going to be the culprit? Also, before I forget, Bets, what's her name, was also the music, the singing voice for Bets Malone for Velma. So I just wanted to share that. Um, give she the actress the recognition. Yeah. She ate. All right. She ate, period. Um, so let's, uh, who did you think was the culprit? Did you also think it was Van Helsing? I did. Like I said, I think at, um, at, at, by that point, I was like, I was like, it could be a few people. And then I was like, no, I think it's him. Yeah, I also got it. Uh, so uh, with that, the score is 27 to 26.5 versus me and the co-host. But let's start talking about our MVPs and LVPs. So now every episode we give an MVP to one of the core five or Scrappy if he's in the movie, and an LVP to the same group of characters. Plus, Matt, as our guest for this movie, you can give a bonus MVP to any character in the film, period, and a bonus LVP, as we instituted last week, to any uh, character in the movie, uh, regardless of if they're in the core five or not. But let's start with you as our guest. Do you have a strong sense of anything yet where you're going with these points? Oof. I think... I think MVP, I know where I'm leaning. LVP is hard. Okay, so you there can do the MVP is. first, and then we'll think it through. We'll talk it out for the LVP. Uh, you know, I think I think MVP, I got to give it... Um, I, th I think this is a really strong Velma showing. She was Ooh. on top of it, like, start to finish. 
If she was the only one still on top of everything, at, she she felt like fully in control the entire time. Yeah, and it's is, been a rough couple weeks for Velma, so this is nice to get her back into MVP swing of things. I think I think she was very solid in this. All one, right, person. So for me, I'm giving my MVP to Miss Daphne. I mean, she got kidnapped by vampires and still managed to keep cool. Uh, she didn't get phased by Bram and like, oh, I'm going to take immortality. No, I thought she was a badass in this movie and she deserves some flowers. She, she, she also was good. Yeah. I was uh, do you have your LVP ready or do you want me to go first? Oh man, LVP of the core five. Ooh, that's a rough one. You go, you go first. All right. Not to continuously dunk on Fred because I feel like uh, <laughs> a comic theme in this podcast but fred couldn't get his uh web shooter together to uh aim the stakes properly and kept like getting we didn't even see him get it wet at one point but it got wet and he couldn't like i was like bro you're in the middle of a like demon hunt like get get your things together so fred is getting my lvp because otherwise there's not really much like like I couldn't really figure out a reason to give it to Shaggy. Scooby wasn't getting it, no way, no how. Scooby has to be actively bad to get my LVPs. Um, so yeah. Uh, what about you, Matt? Who are you giving it to? See, you make a solid point for Fred, but I think I am going to. I think you make a solid point for Fred. I think I am going to actually give it to shaggy very valid being like oh a vampire bit me despite the fact his mouth was nowhere near me i'm now going to wander into the bayou for the rest of my days that's a choice my dude yep no that's a very valid point as well giving shaggy another lvp uh so continue to track that uh do you have any bonuses that you want to give in terms of a mvp lvp or was this movie really not that memorable to you uh lvp i would love to give to Tuli. why are you here <laughs> i think there is nothing worse um character wise than someone you could literally excise from the movie whole cloth and it would be fine mm-hmm. um any bonuses or, or for MVP or nah? An MVP. I don't feel like there wasn't anyone really likable enough to give one. <laughs> but that's 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 on me. You get you get to have the pick. Part of me wants to be truly chaotic and give it to uh, da- what was that security guard's name? Dan. Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you know. Hey, he's doing fine. He- he, he took a taser to the neck. I'm amazed that man is still up and walking and, like, still doing his job. Also, you know, well, I, I like a redhead. What can I say? I'm biased. That's why right, Daphne's so with that, Daniel gets the MVP, someone I never thought twice about since we talked about him. And, uh, well, listen, that's kind I, of an iconic move. Look, no one else deserved it in this movie. You don't have to give anyone one, but apparently Daniel's going to be memorialized for life. So you know what? I'm here we are. Give... This is also going to be just really fun for your rankings when you put all the MVPs up. And you I'm going to be like, who's this? Like, <laughs> you have to remember who the fuck this guy is. Yeah. 
Anyways, let's get to the big event, the score of this film. Matt, we give our scores from zero to five Scooby Snacks. Uh, we People have tried, but we can't go lower than 0 0.25. That is the rule. If it is that bad, you can give it a 0 0.25. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we do 0 0.25 increments. So 0 0.25, 0 0.5, 0 0.75, or the whole zero. Uh, where are you ranking this film or rating this film? Sorry. I think I think this is a 2.5. I think there is... 2.5. Yeah. I think solidly straight down the middle. Um, if you want to watch this movie, go right ahead. I don't think there... I don't think there is any reason not to watch this movie. I don't think it is, like, actively bad in any real way where I'm, like, save your time. But I also no there is more fun stuff out there for you to watch so it may not be yeah. worth your time but if you give it a look you're probably not going to be disappointed for sure yeah in terms of where i'm giving it i think i was hovering around a 2.75 but the fact that it's a campy musical even if the musical numbers aren't that memorable i don't know that gives it a 0.25 bonus for me so i'm gonna leave it with a solid three leaving the average to be a 2.75 how do you feel about that matt that, does that feel right i'm good with that all right. That's about well, that is it for our rankings and ratings and uh, regular shenanigans that we have here. Uh, we're going to start to wind things down. Any final thoughts about Scooby-Doo, this movie, anything you want to get off your chest, Matt, before we throw it over to plugs? No, this has been lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting of course. me Yes. So tell people where they can keep up with you if you want people to follow you on social media or any other projects you might be doing. Um, and also, uh, what is something that you want people to check out that you are uh, a big fan of, whether it's a new movie, show, book that you're reading? It can be something old, but like, what is something you want to promote that isn't yours? A pop culture yeah. plug, if you will. All righty. So personal plugs first. Uh, you can find me at Writer on uh, Twitter. If you're still on Twitter for some reason, like me, you're a crazy person. <laughs> Uh, you can find me there. You can check out, uh, that's where I post links to a lot of my writing. That's kind of where stuff is put together. Uh, so you can find that. Um, if you like media podcasts like this one, check out You Haven't Seen This. It's a podcast I do with my sister. We, um, every time we do an episode, I was about to say every week, we are not a weekly podcast, my God. Uh, every episode we go over a movie that one of us loves and the other one has not seen. It's a really fun time. We do pretty much everything. It's been and I love how your picks are generally like uh, these big, either like big blockbuster movies or like things. And then your sister's pick is like Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my favorite episodes. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Um yeah, so if you check that out, you haven't seen this, you haven't seen this pod on Instagram, Twitter, you can find us. Uh, and Play. also, I'm looking down at my phone so I can pull up the link. Um, check out on Twitter and Instagram, afterimage underscore en, that's the handle for uh, a animated film and series concept that I'm writing and developing with one of my friends. Um, I described it to someone afterward i decided i described it to someone the other day as a speed racer in the world of blade runner and that's mm -hmm. kind of the best way to give it a vibe uh so keep up with us there we are again working on developing it last month we finished up 
our Kickstarter got fully funded, so we're in full development. Um, Yay! And I actually, real peek behind the development thing, just saw um, what's probably going to be pretty much the final version of our script earlier today, and it is solid. Yay! Uh, well, also, uh, in terms of, before you do your pop culture plug otherwise, I do have a question for you. Yes. Which drag queen most belongs in the Scooby-Doo Cinematic Universe, and which one would be most likely to do Scooby-Doo S Snatch Game? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Here's the thing. It's no one on Drag Race, because I think the, the queens that belong the most in the Scooby-Doo Universe are all the Dragula girls. So you need I said drag alt. queen. I didn't say RuPaul's. True. Drivers. I know. I'm like, you need an alt queen uh, to do it. I, hmm. Of oh, the ones coming to my head. I think an Erica Clash would be fun. She's she's alt, but she's not quite as, like, gross. In the nice way I'm saying that, you know, she's not quite as, like, blood and guts as some of the other uh, queens on that show. Um, which that is the vibe. I just don't think it's the Scooby vibe. Um, yeah. Who would do for Snatch Game? Gosh, Vanjie. <laughs> it's very hard because it could be so many different people. Um, yeah. But yeah. You know, uh, All Stars Eight comes out uh, tomorrow as we're recording this. I could see Jimbo doing like Daphne <laughs> and just going insane with it. So I'm gonna say that. Interesting. Interesting. And then in I'm, terms I'm of like, a pop culture plug. Do you have one top of mind? Yeah, I do have one. It, I did technically work on this. Is it kind of, is that still cheating? Or can That's I fine. Like, That's fine. Her. That's um, fine. If you love, I think your listeners will really love, if you're a Scooby-Doo fan, uh, you'd like a mystery and a little bit of a gothic vibe, uh, check out the web series Headless, a Sleepy Hollow Story by Shipwrecked Comedy. Um, it is a fun mystery uh updated telling of the legend of sleepy hollow by washington irving um it's hilarious all the actors are amazing um the writing is phenomenal and i was lucky enough to help out in the art department on that uh shoot and i can also tell you not only was everyone great on screen they were also really lovely off camera so yay go check it out um it's 10 episodes if you binge it all it's like two and a half hours so basically it's like a movie um perfect we'd love to see it go check it out uh in terms of me uh you can follow me at what the fleep on all social media brazil dragon pod uh for the podcast stuff uh thanks to freddie luna for our awesome new logo uh if you are seeing that you can follow his stuff at stuck on you cartoons if you're interested he takes commissions uh but uh, in terms of what we have going on here, we're going to keep the Scooby-Doo chain chugging along. Also still banking some episodes from Media Made Me. Hopefully that project will finalize soon and you'll get to see, hear some amazing interviews. Uh, recently was on one indescribable podcast talking about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist uh, season one finale. And coming up soon, I will be on Shit 90 Shows Taught Me. I will hold off on what I am talking about there, but I'm so excited to reunite with Jessica and Sarah uh, for some shenanigans. Um Otherwise, uh, you can follow me on all social media. I'm going to start trying to build a Twitch and a Discord stuff up. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Brazilian Dragon uh, there on Twitch. Otherwise, uh, in terms of my pop culture plugs, also uh, in terms of social media, Instagram is where it's at. That's where I promote my comedy shows if you're in the Los Angeles area. Um, And uh, pop culture plug. 
uh, I have been watching Gossip Girl because I'm going to be on a Gossip Girl podcast shortly. And uh, it can be messy. And it's surprisingly better than I expected. So Gossip Girl, the original one. I haven't seen the sequel. But Matt knows some of the characters and cast members on the sequel or the, the reboot. Uh, or knows of them, at least. XOXO. Gossip Girl. Well, with all that said, next time we will be talking about uh, Scooby-Doo, Big Top Scoob, I think is what it's called. Let me, sorry, just pull it up. Am I, oh no, why am I stupid and close the document? Uh, whatever, we'll figure it out what it's next time. You'll see it when you look at the link. Uh, with all that said, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this adventure. We're going to hop back into the mystery machine and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Just as long as they've got plenty of sunshine. There is only one thing Scooby-Doo and I are hoping for this vacation. I don't want no more ghouls or nothing scary. No apparitions giving me a fright. I don't want nothing that I need to bury. More creatures that go bumping in the night. <laughs> no poltergeist and nothing supernatural. No giant beast that sneaks up from behind. <laughs> no ghosts that rattle chains. Or things that eat your brains. No banshee witch that scares me out of my mind. We're finally on vacation and going someplace new. Let's relaxation. It's all we're gonna do. I don't want no zombies or kooks. My friends were finally done with all them goblins and spooks that kept us on the run. We're gonna be cool as cukes. Our monster days are through. No demonic beast and nothing to see. It's time to relax. And that's what we're gonna do. No crazy evil sprites. I don't want no phantom that shrieks, haunting us every night. I don't want no Comic Con geeks walking up out of the blue, dressed like bats and seven foot rats chasing me down and saying, How do you do? <laughs> We're moving on, and we ain't coming back anymore.